Cards are getting a little bit ugly out there. Give them, give them all a cookie and make them settle down. We can't think of a good opening for this episode, so I'm just going to start by asking Evan, how's your week been? Um, God. I think I went through a time warp with uh, Daylight Savings. It's just an hour, pal. I know. I actually woke up this morning and my phone was changed, but my oven wasn't. Oh. So I was like, what time is it? <laughs> I was like, nope, my oven doesn't change automatically. It's definitely my phone. It's, um, it's one of those jarring things. Like when you take a nap in, like when it's still light out, like after work, and then you wake up and it's like dark and you're you're so out of it because you woke up at the wrong part of your sleep cycle and you start getting ready for work, even though it's only like 8 p.m. I got ready for work on a Saturday once. Yeah, it's devastating. I set my alarm for some reason and went to bed early on a Friday night and I woke up, started getting ready for work. And Evan then did I, this? I eventually realized it was Saturday and went back to bed. <laughs> I was almost out the door. Oh, God. I've had those like 6 a.m. panics, like still as a 31 year old, where I like just snap to for a sec, shit, I'm late for school. <laughs> and then just kind of like, right, no, that was. That was 10 years ago. Okay. And then I fall back asleep. But that hasn't happened to me. And I'm still pretty fresh out of like I, I graduated. I, I got my degree in 2016. I think it was. And I took an extra year. Like I, I was just like, well, I want to do some more courses. So I took an extra year. Um, and I have only had one occurrence. And I had a dream that like I had a midterm that I hadn't studied for. And I woke up and I felt like that sense of panic where you know you're not prepared for a midterm or a final. And then I'm like, hmm. No, I'm two years into my professional career. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not writing anything today. The last time that happened to me was uh, it was a few months ago, but it wasn't even college. It was high school. I thought I was late for high school, and I had to get up and walk. Ah, uh, your glory years, dude. That was 13 years ago. How, what is going on in my brain? Oh I, my god. I do like uh, this. Was a very clever opening from you, Brad, because it was one of those like passive little signifiers to the listeners. Like, hey, Evan's here this time. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. I'm Evan. Hey. Oh, my eye is so itchy. I'm allergic to something in this basement. <laughs> Evan is constantly... <laughs> You're allergic to actually being at the podcast. Oh, it's just my left eye. It feels like it weighs three more pounds. So left eye, so you're allergic to Ryan. Yeah. It's, it's yes. So we're, we're at a, a fun point in this podcast. Um, we just passed the four-year mark, which is not something that we ever imagined would happen. Speaking of which, congrats, Evan. You missed that episode. <laughs> well, I mean, it only makes sense. We passed four years, and uh, we're talking. We're, we're constantly for those of you who who follow along and, and maybe follow us on some social media or our patrons. You know how often we're trying to improve the show and just pick out little things or big things to do differently. So we're at that point now where we're just trying to improve and trying to get better and you know build on this momentum. Uh, with the incredible growth that the podcast has had and the incredible support you guys have shown. Um, and we look back into like the, the things we used to do differently. And it's just some of the small stuff that you pick up because none of us went to school for broadcasting. So we've had to pick up all these things on the go. And for our longtime listeners, you know that this used to be a way <laughs> different show, not like drastically, but I, I, comfort, I can comfortably say it's improved quite a bit in terms of quality. Oh, and, and that's just the what they actually hear. The actual back end stuff that we do now is night and day. Yeah. And like Brad and I have picked that up. Like Brad very rarely talks with his hand over his mouth anymore. He doesn't really turn his head away from the mic too much. And then you have Evan who's constantly like <laughs> five and a half months behind. Like he'll just constantly be like rubbing his. Sh Evan's just always like scratching something. Yeah. Without a thought as to like everyone can hear that. But he's still like Evan's on the right track. Remember Evan when he used to chew gum 
And no, I don't. I do so much. <laughs> the, list, the listeners do. <laughs> the listeners yeah. do. And then we had a no, a, we we instated a no food policy. And Evan was just like, three months later, he's like, wait, why? And I was like, oh, man. That's all good. Evan just kind of comes and goes as he pleases, scratches a lot, looks generally disinterested. He's basically the outdoor cat of this podcast. Evan, it, oh my God. <laughs> Evan is our outdoor cat. Yeah. And for those of you listening who are saying, man, like they're being pretty openly mean to Evan who's here right now. They usually only talk shit when he's not here. Just, <laughs> just know that Evan gets a disproportionate amount of love and following and attention from all of you. Like, yeah, it's great. Evan's like, I love it. my followers jumped up like a hundred this week. Anyone know why? And you look at me and Brad just like tweeting furiously. I've sent like two tweets all week. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It wouldn't be the, it, the winged wheel podcast. You can't spell winged wheel podcast without Evan. And I don't think there's a V in there either. You'd have to split up the W's. winged wheel podcast. Pod, you really, that's what you would do. You'd put the V in there instead of splitting up one of the W's. The winged wheel podcast podcast we're now eastern european (laughs) on this episode of the podcast uh there was a ton of news uh relevant to detroit so we'll we'll get into all of that um we're nearing the last 14 13 games of the season so we'll do a speaking of which we need a head count before we do anything else we'll do that before we get into the stuff yeah yeah um we're so we're going to talk about uh the standings the stats and, and some relevant stuff and honestly the detroit stuff is pretty heavy this week so uh we'll just head into overtime after those two main topics uh some quick hits but first and foremost uh we are nearing the end of the year and uh for those of you who know uh what's coming next you should be excited and for those of you who don't we are doing our uh end of the year winged wheel podcast goes to a game and doesn't meet up with all the fans beforehand. So we did our ticket giveaway. Uh, our two winners are Brendan B. Singer, and it was Alex Toger, who's, uh, who unfortunately couldn't make it. And then it was Aaron Labor, and then unfortunately he couldn't make it. And so uh, we did a second redraw, and it was Arjun Shanker. So Arjun is coming all the way in from uh, Colorado, which is kind oh, of amazing. That wow. is our first. We've had Virginia, Wisconsin, Carolina for the ticket winners for the ticket winners but uh, Arjun is just shattering that record so coming in from Colorado so uh, he'll Arjun and uh, Brendan are going to be joining us attending the uh, final game of the season against Buffalo on April 6th against uh, sorry against Buffalo at the LCA but it's not just uh, our access to us isn't just limited to those two because we are going to be doing a meetup beforehand uh, venue to be determined. We wanted to go back to the Detroit Beer Company, but there's a lot going on that day, and they did not have any space for us this time around. So, uh, location to be determined at the moment. The location is going to depend on how many of you we can expect. Exactly. So, this is critically important because we can't wait too much longer before everywhere gets booked up. So, if you are planning on coming to the pregame meetup, the April 6th game against the Buffalo Sabres, correct? Yeah, it'll be from about 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Yeah. And uh, we need a head count, so this can't be like kind of in or maybe it's like, no, you're coming or you're not because uh, we need an exact head count because we need to book some space. Um, so please, 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 please tweet at us, message us, however you're going to get a hold of us. We will send out a couple tweets about it, uh, so keep your eye on that. Just we need a head count because uh, I think the Tigers play that day too, so yeah, it's going like to concert and it's going to be a madhouse in that part of the city, which is great because it'll hey, be great. It'll it's going to be, awesome be a fantastic atmosphere. atmosphere, but at the same time, it's going to be a nightmare for. Um, space yeah so we're gonna have to get ahead of the curve we're probably already behind <laughs> we it was great the, the last meetup that we did was uh the uh first game of the season against uh columbus yeah and 
we had people from Australia. We had people from all over the states and Canada. Tasmania, Vancouver, at least seven different states in the U.S., I believe. And we probably had 50-plus people roll through. And we... No, we uh, definitely had 50-plus roll through. We bring in... uh, We have, like, swag that we give away. We give away some stuff. So um, even though you didn't win any of the giveaway... Or, like, the ticket giveaway, there's still an opportunity to win some stuff. Uh, And honestly, we just want to meet you guys. This show is... uh, It's your show, too. And so we want to... And I understand that uh, the home opener is not uh, is going to have a far bigger turnout than the last yeah. game of this season. Do do not get me wrong. So if you're like, well, only like ten people are going, I don't know. That's fine. That's what we're expecting. Please still say you're in because we need it. Yeah. Whether we're having a, a, a table for six or we're having you know a room for a hundred, we need to know. Uh, so we're going to get into uh, the meat of the podcast now, and we're going to start uh, with the most important topic, which is um, the passing of Ted Lindsay uh, this past weekend. Um, Ted Ted can only be described as uh, one of the foremost builders of the game and one of the biggest names uh, in the Detroit Red Wings organization. Um, his work on the ice as part of the production line with Sid Abel and, and, and Gordie Howe was obviously prolific, and, and he'll go down in hockey history for that. It already has, uh, but his work off the ice truly is his biggest impact, which is saying quite a bit. Um, first player to ever uh, carry the cup and skate it around the ice, starting that tradition, uh, which is probably the most uh, prominent championship tradition in professional sports around the world. Um but really, really, really being the main driver behind the development of what is now the uh, NHL Players Association. Um, he went through quite a bit um, when he was a player. He obviously was shipped out of Detroit um, due to a feud with the owner slash general manager at the time. Um, and then later on in his career, teamed up with the people who he hated, you know, fellow players. If you guys listen to the 31 Thoughts this week, they talked all about... Um, how players back then genuinely hated each other. It wasn't seen as a business. Like if you played for Toronto, you hated Detroit guys. If you played it for Boston, you hated uh, Toronto guys and that kind of thing. Um, and he teamed up with those guys to develop what is now the Players Association. Uh, and without that, the league wouldn't exist as it does today. So the loss of Ted Lindsay, um, and those that's not everything he's done. He's done incredible uh, philanthropic work. He's uh, been involved. With, he was involved with the community uh, until the day he passed. Um Really a huge loss, but uh, just a giant, just an absolute giant of the game. So um, it was uh, it was tough news to hear it, and uh, but it's been nice to see uh, all the reverence and all the um, all the homages paid to him across the league. I like the Ted Seven that's on the boards. Yeah, and I like that every team was doing that. It wasn't just Detroit, which speaks to how big of an influence on the league Ted Lindsay was. That this wasn't just a Red Wings tribute or celebration of life. The entire league got behind it um my favorite ted story was um the, the, i know it was talked about a lot this week but it's worth repeating for anybody who didn't hear it is in a stanley cup final game uh where they were playing the leafs in toronto uh, a fan i guess said that he was going to come to the rink and and literally shoot at gordy and ted um so the red wings went out uh the red wings won the game i'm pretty sure ted scored the game winner And then after the game, there's an iconic photo of him holding a stick like a gun and shooting into the crowd, just mocking. (laughs) Terrible Ted. So Ted Lindsay, the original Toronto Maple Leafs troll. And that's why he was number three on the Red Wings, on the Wing Wheel podcast list of all time greatest Red Wings. He finished third, right? (laughs) I think so. I don't actually remember. Wait, did he finish three? Because we had, oh, we should look that up. I would imagine we had him three, unless Evan screwed it up. Uh, No, I think he was three. Yeah, the uh, of course uh, another piece of work that I do want to bring uh, attention to is um, 
He founded the Ted Lindsay Foundation in 2001 uh, and has raised over $1.5 million to find a cure for autism. Um, at the very least, he, he's done a lot of like great work to for the um, autism community and aut- autism caretakers community. So this is just like a, an incredible human being through and through. Um, the patches have been great. The moments of silence, the TED7 on, on the boards uh, really just goes to show the kind of impact this guy had. Uh, in other Red Wings news, um, the biggest news, I suppose, besides that is, uh, Philip Zadina on Tuesday night against Colorado scored his first NHL goal. And then Saturday night against Tampa recorded his first NHL assist. His first, uh, first goal, his first apple. Two points big, now. It was a big week for Philip, And yeah. it was, and his best friend on the team, Philip Hronik, who gave the setup for Philip Zadina's first goal. It was Vanek to Hronik to Zadina, right? Yep. The all Zadina's like sixth in team scoring now. Vanek's Austrian. Vanek's Austrian. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, but he speaks Czech, so it counts. That's what it is. Yep. Yeah. He's, did you say he's sixth on the team scoring? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe since Nyquist left. Um, Zadina, besides the goal and the assist, which are obviously phenomenal, I'm happy he got the goal. Like, you could tell how much he loved it. It was a huge moment. Um, he was on the road, but it wouldn't, it's like he scored it at home. Um, but that guy, the real take home is he looks good out there. He looks consistently dangerous. You could tell um, to nitpick that he's not used to uh, NHL timing mm-hmm. yet. Like there's a few times like he, he, you can tell he thinks he's got an extra second that he doesn't have. But um, when he does make, get some space and gets control of the puck, he is making something happen almost every time he touches a puck. And he very rarely makes the wrong play. Cause it, and that sounds like a simple statement, but for guys like Zadina who play a high offensive game, there's generally a lot of risk associated with their game. So you understand that you're going to take a lot of turnovers and a lot of bad plays, but it's going to come with a lot of high scoring chances like aka the Thomas Vanek approach where either it's a great a scoring chance or it's an awful turnover going back the other way um that you don't see that in Zadina's game he's very smart with the puck despite still creating chances it's that that's probably what I've been most impressed with even Blashill went to the media mm-hmm. and said he's actually impressed Zadina's way ahead of the curve for most 19 year olds in his recognition of um plays out there and the little intricacies of the game which for Blashill to say something about that about a rookie who he must be something truly special we'll get back to Blashill and how he's handling uh young guys in just a minute here um one huge thing about Zadina like the timing which you mentioned is obviously the biggest piece that will translate into once he fine-tunes that that'll translate into a lot of goal scoring because the recognition of space and when you have to get that shot off is the probably the most instrumental thing in generating scoring chances if you're a scorer. Yeah. However, um, one thing that we wasn't I wouldn't say overlooked, but maybe not the most prominent part of his game, but is still phenomenal is he is shifty. He is like he moves east west so efficiently. Evan, what on earth? <laughs> you guys have a mic's like a thing to raise your mic up, and I'm sitting over here like Quasimodo. If only, <laughs> if only we had like 15 minutes of pre-show there for this guy go. to figure it out. <laughs> oh my spine, <laughs> sweet uh, lord. <laughs> oh, I feel so good. <laughs> my back hurts so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyways, as you were saying, oh sweet Gordy, have mercy. This that that is uh, for anybody who isn't watching the podcast on YouTube yet. That highlight's worth it. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, we are on YouTube with full quality audio. So uh, for those of you who weirdos who like watching our faces, hello. 
Might even look for another uh, step up here. This isn't quite where I need to be. Well, yeah, this uh, isn't even as high as I'd like it to be, but eh, whatever. We're People. getting there. Uh, anyways, he, he the way he generates open space and the way he moves into lanes east-west, there's so many just pure north-south players, like even Larkin and, and Athanasiu, incredibly fast, and they predominantly move north-south, which is fine. But Zadina is shifty. So it's not like he's just only a good shooter. He's a good puck handler, and he is good. He's quick. And he's like agile, and that is a, a huge, huge thing for him to generate those scoring chances for himself and for others. So the only other player the Red Wings have had in the last few, the only other players that the Red Wings have had in the last few years that had that east-west uh, agility that Zidane has was Nyquist and Tatar. So you know, who good timing there. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people are concerned with Zidane. He's only got what two points in six games now. Um, five or six games. I forget exactly how many games he's played, but the chances have been there. The plays have been there. He doesn't have a strong supporting cast. He's got Luke Glendening on his line. Mm-hmm. He's not been. He's not played a single game where he's got a true playmaker on his line. Not that the Red Wings have one. Um, but yeah, it's just been impressive. Even his back checking has been impressive. He, the guy you can tell knows what he has in front of him and wants to make the absolute most of it. He wants to put it in for the fans. He know it's not like he regrets saying like I want I'm going to fill their nets, but he wants to show them that he can. Yeah, and it's nice too. It's been reassuring for me over these games because even with the slow start in Grand Rapids, like nobody jumped off his bandwagon and said he's not going to be a great player, but we all kind of sat there, eh, maybe he's a maybe he's more Anthony Mantha than he is Dylan Larkin, just to use an example, right? Mhm. This this little trial has eased my mind a lot. That I'm like, no, he's he's still a high end player, and again, it's just that timing issue. Once he gets that figured out, this kid is going to be. It would be a, a huge unexpected downfall if he doesn't pan out to be at least really good at this. Yeah, point. I think he's going to be a consistent thirty goal scorer comfortably. And again, he's he has, and his first NHL goal showed it. He has the one thing the Red Wings don't have right now, and that's that one time threat on the power play. They do not have anybody, no. not a single person who no. is a threat in that capacity. Athens is getting better at it, but I wouldn't say he's a consistent threat. Mike Green isn't that threat anymore, and he's out for the season. Hronik and Mantha both have good shots from the outside, but it's not a one-timer. They just have good snapshots with good location. Um, well, Hronik more than Mantha, but Mantha's got the power on it. But yeah, they don't have a one-time threat, so it's nice to see that they actually have that now speaking of which i do want to play the goal call because i think ken daniels did a phenomenal oh, job on that goal it was call. perfect Bertuzzi, Arona, Bannon, Zadina near side Arona, Zadina wants it. he's got it he shoots he scores Philip Zadina, his first national hockey league goal and detroit leads it three to two with 217 to play a power play goal well the boy can shoot the and in perfect Detroit Red Wings fashion, Zadina scores a huge go-ahead goal with just over two minutes left in the third period, and Detroit still loses the game. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it, in the, back to Ken just very quickly for him to have that much energy and to make the goal call sound that good without the goal horn in the background. That was like that is a plus. Detroit has the best. Like uh, local network commentators in the league. Oh yeah, and that arena in Colorado is half full of Red Wings fans, and Detroit's playing for nothing right now, and Colorado is fighting for a playoff spot, and it's an old rival. So you know, shame on you, Colorado fans. 
Good on you, Red Wings fans. We're better than you in every capacity. Colorado announcers constantly call opposing teams' goals like that, like just like muted and dead. And so, the, because it was a busy night in the schedule, so for our American listeners who don't know, like I watched most of the Red Wings game um, through something called Rogers NHL Center Ice, which is through my TV, which means I get every NHL game. Now, on a slower night where there's let's say eight or less games, they will have a channel option for fewer. both. F- shut up. F- fewer games they will have the option of you can watch either or broadcast because there's enough channel space availability that they can do that but that was a busy night in the schedule so they for most games you only had one broadcast option and they when that happens it's always the home team so i had to watch through the colorado feed and yeah oh really yeah it was it was awful Uh, like i'll give them credit they they were good in the sense of they talked about detroit a lot and they were complimentary of the players they should be complimentary about so it wasn't they were jack edwards homerish where the other team is evil (sighs) but yeah the the zadina cole call from them was like so there was nothing there there was no excitement you can even give me angry excitement like be angry that Colorado is playing a critical game and just gave up the go-ahead goal with, like, two minutes left. But it's just like, and the pass over to Zena, and he scores. Um, That's it. I do. I am lucky to have NHL TV, and I, I watch the um, I watch the FSD feed every time. If not, it's the national feed, and then everyone has to. Um, you mentioned Heronic a bunch of times. Heronic, and this is very surprising as well from Blash Hill, uh, has been had a few nights now where he's put up like 25 plus minutes. Yeah, even the game against last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning, the best team in the league, the best offense in the league, Philip Ronick played, I think, close to 27 minutes and no other Red Wing defenseman, I think, broke 22. And he, like, to see him make the most of this, like, second or third or whatever, however many times he's been up this year, um, stint with the team is just so rewarding. And... Credit to Jeff Blashill. Truly credit to Jeff Blashill here because this is a completely against his normal tune. Um, and but it's the right thing to do. A, your guys that you usually rely on for whatever godforsaken reason are gassed. Cronwall is at the end, maybe at the last 15 games of his career. Daly does not have the legs that he never really had, but definitely didn't have doesn't have the stamina he used to. And Green is out for the year now. And Green was a big driver of those offensive breakouts. You know, the the power play, he was truly the only reliable offensive generator from the back end. I know the advanced stats this year don't reflect quite a big decline from him. But still, that's the only player with that skill set that was on Detroit um, that was getting consistent minutes. So giving those minutes to Hironic is the exact right thing to do. And it's nice to see Blash do it unabashedly. Yes, that was intentional. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm Una, not. I'm sorry, una, and I'm not unabashedly. That's better. Shh, damn, Brad, <laughs> keep it to yourself. Um, and Heronic, to his credit, has done it, and he like he's done a phenomenal job with it. And he said to the media, "I feel confident. I feel like I'm a way better player than when I started uh, at the beginning of this year." And that's like best case scenario for Heronic because uh, he's gonna have to step up next year. He's gonna have to like he'll probably average 22 to 23 minutes next year, provided something you know terrible happens where he just drops off or Blashill decides to give up on him. Um, and he's done a great job in my mind. Hasn't had a lot of support. The numbers probably won't reflect <laughs> a terrible amount of effectiveness, but this he is had, one of the worst teams in hockey right now. So I think Detroit lost 3-2 to Tampa Bay last night. Yeah, Pronick played 25 minutes and had one assist and I believe was a plus uh, and an even. So um, test passed. He, he, yeah, he's done great. 
Cholowski apparently is doing fantastically with Grand Rapids. So, you know, feelings about him being sent down aside. I feel good about where Hironik is. I feel good about where Cholowski is in his development. I do, like, this is looking forward. I'm still nervous about whether the team's going to bring back Cronwall. We're not going to do a deep dive into that because we've, you know, that's a pinata at this point. But um, it, it is looking promising look, uh, moving forward. Actually, the last couple weeks have been a real, like, spotlight on what Nicholas Cronwell is. Still a smart player with the puck on his stick. That uh, shot past Devanic for the first goal against Tampa Bay last night was beautiful. Perfect play, the exact exact type of play you expect someone, a smart player like Cronwell to make. When he doesn't have the puck, he is getting torched at all times. Yep. He is he look he is a AHL level replacement level defenseman when he doesn't have the puck, but he's still a quality puck moving defenseman in the NHL when it's on his stick, but it's night and day. Uh, and for those of you who want to know, um, Dom from The Athletic is, uh, I always butcher his last name, Luchician. Uh He's put out a few different models uh, to kind of give an insight into defense. And defense are harder to quantify or qualify with advanced stats. So that he's put out a few different models. And if you want to know two Red Wings who are consistently among the worst in the league, like of all NHL players, uh, Daly and Erickson are there. So, hey, we have two of those. We do have two of those. So it's uh, when we're talking about replacement level players or below replacement level, it means you can grab any other guy in the league and it would probably be better. What what it truly means, replacement level means you can literally pull any like top pairing defenseman in the AHL off yeah. any AHL team and they will do a better job. Now you, that's It sounds facetious, but that's quite literally what the model's for. It's uh, And, and there, you have to add context to it for a team that's, you know not going to do anything this year and wants to make, like maintain the development of Cholosky and preserve all that, Like you can see an argument for setting him down and keeping Erickson where he is, blah, blah, blah. But that's just to give you an idea of how bad the rest of this decor is. And um, remember, both of them are under contract for next year, too. Uh, Mike Green, uh, he was out initially. He was considered out day-to-day or week-to-week. And then um, it looks like the same virus... Uh, that was affecting him at the beginning of the year came back and it's I think it's some kind of uh, I've seen it projected as some kind of like liver inflammation so a hepatitis which like hepatitis literally just means inflammation of the liver um, so it could be and it, like it's a it, there's different kinds obviously that this is all conjecture it's just like stuff that I've seen but regardless he's got a virus and um, doctors told him you're going to need weeks to recover he might as well just sit out the rest of the season so Mike Green shut out for the rest of the season or shut down for the rest of the season um, honestly, feel really bad for the guy. Whether, whether it's hepatitis or mono or just what anything else, like that's got to suck. Especially coming back, it's got to be brutal to the point where you, like he's like lacking energy and it's just beating him up. So um, all the best to Mike and hopefully shutting down for the rest of the season helps him recover. When I saw the stat too, like his, I, I've been kind of down on Mike Green this year because his turnovers have been comically bad at points in the season, but. They were showing a stat. The Red Wings are above an above 500 team with him in the lineup, yeah. and they're like 3-17-2 without him. And it's yeah. just like, oh, boy, that's... Well, it was... <laughs> and that was even more exaggerated earlier in the year. So when he came back in like yeah. November or whatever it was, um, he they were well above 500. Their record was like... Well, because they had that 11-game yeah. point streak or, or that 11-game streak where they went, like, what was it, 9-1-1 one, one when he came back? Yeah, he like he really does make a difference on the blue line. Again, I don't think he's trending in the right direction, but you don't really... That's not really a huge issue. 
he's not the, the defenseman of the future. So um, another point, uh, Larkin is currently registered as day-to-day. Uh, you could tell that he was a little bit off in the last few games he's played um, his sh- with his shoulder injury, shoulder injury slash neck strain. And uh, there's been a lot of talk about shutting him down for the rest of the season because those are tough injuries. Red Wings fans know all too well. Henrik Zetterberg just had to retire because of a bad back early. Um, and you don't want to mess around with that. And it's it's at the point now where there's an argument being made uh, of, is there a point to playing Larkin these last 15 games and, you know, possibly beating down what would otherwise be just like a crappy injury into a chronic injury? Because you don't want to mess around with your neck. You don't want to mess around with your back. Um, look at Sidney Crosby, the amount of issues his neck uh, his neck issues caused him when they thought it was a concussion, but really it was just like a terrible, terrible neck injury. Look at the issues it caused. Um, you know, even Franzen before his concussion had a bad back. Um, Henrik Zetterberg had to retire early. Maybe shut him down, right? No, we need a 30-goal score. It's been too long. Yeah, and so there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of conversation, and I can I, I almost tend to agree with them from the point of let's not hurt what is the core like genuinely the most impl- important player to this team right now. Uh, but Blashill has said he's day to day. He might even play as soon as this weekend. Um, we'll see, but we're we're not going to shut him down. So there's two ways to look at this, and not to get let's without trying to get too super scientific in it. The shoulder is a very, very weird part of your body. There's a lot going on there. A lot of muscles, ligaments, your rotator cuff. There's a lot that can go wrong in there. That being said, it's a relatively small muscle group, so it's not as devastating if you have a nagging injury in your shoulder as it is if you have it in your back or your knee or whatever. That being said, though, it's also one of the hardest parts of your body to properly rehab. Mm -hmm. I had a shoulder injury five years ago it's never recovered properly still gives me problems from time to time because there's a lot going on in that part of the body um so you can look at both both angles is if larkin comes back a little too soon and does a little more damage to his shoulder is it going to end his career early no but if he comes back and doesn't heal it properly is it could give him problems for the rest of his career so you could see both sides of this i as badly as i want to see another 30 goal scorer this year I don't care. These games mean nothing. The Red Wings are firmly in third last in the NHL right now, probably pretty close to being mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Well, Ottawa was mathematically eliminated last night, so they're probably just a few games. They're probably a week away from that themselves. Yeah, because Detroit's only, what, five or six points ahead of Ottawa, so it can't be too far. So they're literally two losses and two wins from the eighth-place team away from being eliminated. Um, Yeah, I... Don't risk it unless you're a hundred percent sure. Like I'm not saying shut him down for the season, but if he needs ten more games to fully get back to normal, take it. Don't call him day to day and then rush him back the first game. He says he kind of feels all right. As soon as he says he feels all right, you give him three more games off. As even if it's you sit him until he plays just the last game of the season, just for the fans, that's fine by me. Speaking of chronic injury, Evan, how do you always have the sniffles? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm allergic to something down here right now. You're allergic. Oh, uh, yeah. And maybe it's your eye. Oh, my God. He might actually be allergic. What is, it? What is this? Asbestos in the ceilings? Uh, uh, <laughs> it's amazing uh, we've made it four years. <laughs> um, Larkin's at 27 goals. Athanasiu is at 23, I believe. The true story is Mantha's at 17. And so, obviously, Mantha's going to score 13 in his last 14. 
and hit 30 goals. The Obviously. O- if Larkin doesn't come back, the only chance we have is Athanasiu, and he would have to score above his pace so far this year to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, although he's looked good in the last few games. So he maybe. had a phenomenal game against um, the Rangers. The Rangers, yeah. Oh. He was so many breaks. You could tell, like, Jeff Merrick saw those clips and went, oh, like that. He showed off his foot speed. He, and then the goal and tapping the seven on his chest and pointing to the rafters. Oh, I do not watch hockey to cry, sir. It was amazing. Did not need that. He he tried that between the legs move on the breakaway. I was like, yes, Andreas, yes. I think I sent out a tweet about that. I appreciate that he's doing that right now, but I don't ever want to see him try that in a game that matters. No, I'm all for it. Pavel Datsuk did it and then Helm scored on the rebound. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, but that's Pavel Datsuk. Oh, well. Pavel Datsuk had to get out of jail free card for everything. Yeah, you could. Yes. Hard yes on that. Um, so that's where Larkin is at. I can see both sides, but I hope if they bring him back, they know for sure that A, he's not getting huge minutes, and B, they know for sure he's healthy. Um, Valeno, Joe Valeno has hit 100 points in the QMJHL. Yep. I, th- I still think he leads all qualified skaters in the CHL in points per game. He might. I think it was Comtois. Yeah, Comtois only played like 20 games, so oh, he, would, okay. he wouldn't qualify. Um, and then that conspiracy theory that I and, brought up recently. And also oh. Comtois plays on Valeno's line. Yes. So. Uh, that conspiracy theory that I brought up recently where, again, I'm going to do some qualifications because I know some of you didn't listen and then got angry at me on Twitter. Um, I don't think this will happen, and I don't think it should happen. My opinion is that Detroit shouldn't do this. I'm just talking about a thing that might happen. Some pretty pretty prominent people, Pierre Lebrun and um, Craig Custins notably, were talking about the possibility of RFA um, offer sheets this offseason. And Detroit was brought up, and Detroit was brought up not being linked to, like this wasn't a rumor that Detroit was actively working to do this, but Custins said, like, if you're looking at a guy like Braden Point, where Tampa Bay might have to do some finagling to fit him in, because that guy is due for a big payday, if Eisenman goes to Detroit, they have a link from Tampa to Detroit, and it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to want to make a move to bring Point over because he's familiar with him and he thinks he's worth it. Now, some things to consider, and we, we've talked about this before, is if they offer Braden Point, say, like a eight million or eight and a half million dollar deal, which would not be enough, mind you, he's a hundred point pays player. Um, you take the total value of the contract. So if it was seven years by, let's say, seven years by ten million. You don't the amount that you would have to give up for compensation on that scale uh, isn't the total value divided by seven. It's the total value divided by the lesser of the amount of years the contract is four or five, and so that almost always with an RFA contract because they wouldn't sign anything really less than the max would be five, and so that just drives up the perceived average value of the contract. And Detroit for Point or Marner or any of these other like kooky conspiracy theories would be giving up four first round picks. Which is no good for a team that's probably going to be a lottery team for at least another year, probably two. Yeah, no, you don't make that trade. No, God, no. Yeah, as if you just like again, forget the offer sheet. If someone just came up, hey, you can have brain point, but we'll trade. But we want your next four first round picks. No, your answer is no. No. Is there a player in this league not named Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby that's worth four first round picks? If you're a team that's likely picking in the top ten for a few of those, Austin Matthews, maybe Austin Matthews for sure. I would do that right now. There will not be an Austin Matthews caliber player in the next four drafts. <sighs> four lottery picks. Yeah, but it's but again, it's not you're not gonna get an Austin Matthews, but you could get maybe two Mitch Marners out of it. 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I see Matthew. I see McDavid Matthews like I see Crosby Ovechkin. Maybe not to that level, but pretty close. Man, Re- regardless. Man, I almost wouldn't even trade four first-round picks for Sidney Crosby at this point just due to his age. No, obviously you wouldn't. He's, what, 32, 33? He's my age. He's 31. He's only 31? Ryan, we're not old. You're God, old. he's old. <laughs> You're old. Crosby's not. Um, Ryan. I, I, <laughs> I'm only three weeks older than him, Ryan. Some people, oh man, best three weeks of your life. And then he showed you up, didn't he? Oh, he did. Uh, some people are talking about, oh, I don't want to pay ten and a half. No, you pay ten and a half million dollars for Braden Point. You shut up and you like it. Yeah, like I did. But the four first round picks. I'd happily pay ten and a half million per season for a guy like Braden Point. Again, people always get so flustered. You look at every successful team in the league. You overpay for your superstars as long as you're not overpaying for the replace the replaceable guys. That's where Detroit's getting killed. If Larkin was making $9 million instead of 6.1 right now, I wouldn't care as long as Abdelkader and Helm were not making what they're making. You overpay for the game breakers. Yeah. That's why when I sit here and say I comfortably pay 11 to $12 million for Eric Carlson, everybody says I'm nuts. Good. Well, would you rather pay $7 million for a Tyler Myers? No, I'd rather take the extra insane cap hit and get a guy who's actually going to make a relative difference in how many wins you get in a year. Again, it's not happening, but you've had, you know, administration talk about we're going to have to go off the board to accelerate this rebuild. And this is an administration who acknowledges that you have to be lucky to accelerate the rebuild. So if they're taking an action to accelerate it, it makes me nervous that this is going to happen. So here's what I think is happening. And if it's true, Ken Holland is a genius. So you look at the five biggest candidates for RFAs this summer. You've got Braden Point, Mikko Rantanen, Patrick Laine, Mitch Marner. And oh, who's the other one? We'll just go with those four, okay? Let's just go with those four. There's been a lot of talk in the GM world that one of these guys might actually get an offer sheet. That this is more than just talk. They GMs legitimately believe that this might happen. Well, if you're Ken Holland, you're one of the guys who's talk. He's one of the guys who's been talking openly about, yeah, like you can't rule it out. Well, half those RFAs are in his division. If he's just saying that so that the Leafs and the Lightning have to pay an extra mil, the two mil, to these guys just to get them wrapped up before July 1st hits, and all he's doing is screwing two division rivals up against the cap even more than they already are, oh, that's some level of 5D chess that I am here for. Because there's been, on the same rumors, there's been talks now that these teams are not going to let these guys get that far in the process. They are going to do what it takes to get them signed before they can sign an offer sheet. Kyle so could Kyle. you imagine if Braden Point was originally going to get eight and a half and because these rumors got out there, Tampa gives them ten and a half just to get it done and not even take the risk? Oh my God, that would be fantastic because Toronto and Tampa are screwed up against the cap as it is. Before, even before they have to overpay Braden Point and Mitch Marner. I I could see it. I could see GMs legitimately just saying this crap to screw with their things. My honest to God bet is that none of those big RFAs get an offer sheet. You might see a secondary player like a Kasperi Kapanen get it. Because again, if you're paying a first, a second and a third, it's worth it for a team that's already good. Again, I repeat, not worth it for a team that's bad like the Red Wings. But no. But yeah, you can see it like that. But the big guys, I don't see it happening. I think the GMs are just trying to screw over their counterparts subtly. So the captain one is the person I would think is the most likely to get offer sheeted. Um, But I think teams are going to shy away from it because 
he'll probably the, the amount that you'd have to pay him for him to accept that off the draw will end up being a value where the um, RFA compensation is a first, a second, a third, which I don't think Kapanen is worth. I think the Leafs would take no. that and laugh. They're actually solving a big problem for Kyle Dubas. Just like that is an amazing return for him. And he solves a huge cap situation because he has to sign Marner this offseason. Um, so that's a funny one. So the only time I would actually see it being appropriate for a team to make that offer sheet is if they are a fringe team who think they're just a step or two away from being competitors next year, which obviously Detroit is not. Um, which really the way offer sheets are designed right now are to deter offer sheets from happening. Um, is there a conversation to soften those rules and open up the floodgates a little bit, not punish the team so heavily for, for making offer sheets? The players yeah. would be in favor. Yeah, I'd be in favor of it. But um, the league certainly wouldn't. No, the league definitely wouldn't be. Um, yeah, I don't know. this. I, I think it's, I personally feel it's a lot of blowback about nothing. I don't think there's going to be anything earth-shaking. Well, I, do I see an offer sheet coming this summer? Yeah, probably. But I don't think it's going to be for anybody significant. The, like, Miko Rantanen is actually such an intriguing one, but at the end of the day, Colorado has infinity cap space, and they will sign him to what he's worth. Yeah, they'll, ma- they'll match. Yeah. Um, again, Toronto and Tampa are the interesting ones, because if they get signed to too much, they will have to actually consider... Can we afford this? Because Tampa, as good of contracts as they have on Stamkos and Kucherov and Hedman, those are a lot of big contracts, and they got a bunch of other guys who are signed to $5 million plus long-term. They might not have a choice where they'll be like, well, to keep Braden Point, we will have to jettison off like four other roster players. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you do it. if you You make it work if you're Tampa, but they'd at least have to have that thought in their head of, yeah, maybe we shouldn't. And you're looking at guys like Dubas has been very pragmatic about the way he's approaching all of this. You saw how drawn out the Nylander. The Nylander contract wasn't just the Nylander contract. The Nylander contract was the Nylander-Matthews-Marner contract because he has an idea of it in his head. Uh, Breezebois in uh, Tampa Bay is um, known as the cap magician. The guy who really worked out the cap structure for this team was Steve Eiserman, had a very prominent role in building this team and is now the GM. He, they all have ideas in their head. And uh, the interview or the article that LeBron put out was actually really interesting because every GM that he talked to was like, there's this notion where teams will get back at other players or back at other GMs for making offer sheets. And like, it's frowned upon and you'll be blacklisted. He's like, it's only really happened like eventually a couple of times. The rest of it is like, it's a function of the game. It's a function of the sport. We, we have to plan for it. It'd be stupid not to. It'd be stupid and emotional. For sure, we wouldn't like it. But it's part of the process, and the players can take it, and you can't sit here and be angry at it. You have to plan for it. So we know what we're going to do if that's hap- like that's on our board. So that was good to know as a fan because, A, it doesn't just like automatically eliminate the possibility of it ever happening. I think the thing that does that is the rules around offer sheets. But it was a really interesting read, and it's kind of nice to know that the GMs aren't just being like the old boys about this. Like You're never invited to the, uh, the country club afterwards if you, if you offer sheet so-and-so again and also there's one huge part of this that people forget mm-hmm. the player has to agree to sign the offer sheet yeah but you for the for the amount of money that they'd be signing for no, but but okay if we're getting back to Braden point specifically it's a dumb argument 90 percent of the time because ten and a half million dollars in detroit on a bad rebuilding team where nothing's guaranteed to him versus nine million in a tax-free state on a team he knows is competing for a cup for the next five years he'd be insane to sign in detroit where he got to play with kucherov yeah, he'd, he'd be insane well, to that, sign that. That's why 
you Detroit pay the guys would, 11 mil plus. You would have to give Brainpoint 11, 12 million dollars. And that's getting to the point where even I would go, eh, maybe not. And I'm the guy who's happily overpaying for number one defenseman and number one centers. But Brainpoint's only had, he's had a few good years, but he's only had one, like, elite level year. Yeah, so, but he's 22 years old. No, and again, I'm, I would bet on Braden Point being this good for a while. But it's also a small enough sample size that are you ready to throw eight years, 12 mil, uh, seven million, uh, seven years, 11 and a half million a year at a maybe? Even if that maybe is only a 10%, are you, uh, I don't know. I, w- I would do, I would do 11 and a half and then understand that that's a huge risk. 12 is where I would start to lean more towards your side. This is all saying, you're right though, like, I think the people who'd really be able to compete for these guys are people who are also in tax-free states, right? Vegas, Seattle in a couple of years. People yeah. forget that. Um, oh, imagine Seattle could get in on the offer sheet. I think sheet. Nashville, Tennessee's cheap too, right? I'm not sure. But we really uh, should have a running list at this point. Yeah, there were there were talks. Um, a couple reporters were kicking around the idea of having um, a balancer in uh, hmm. in the cap salary cap where it's like you factored in. It's like a rolling cap, so each team... Has cap limit so Detroit's cap space increases. cap limit would be higher than Tampa Bay's to kind of balance that out but there's the implement the initial implementation of that would be a nightmare um because so many teams are like players are signed the full like teams have full rosters of contracts and uh it would be an absolute nightmare for for teams to I don't know I don't know how to explain it like Tampa Bay would all of a sudden be in the hole because Detroit would get X amount of more money and went out a, a, a negotiation with the player when they didn't have years to prepare for this, right? It would have to be like a slow, like a soft implementation and it would have to adjust and state laws can change at any time. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's, it's, it would be a, a an administrative nightmare. It would be an absolute administrative nightmare. But there is, the conversation does have to start happening now. You look at Toronto, they can afford Austin Matthews because they do uh, big bonuses, they do huge bonuses, and that's a to get around, like to make the, the contracts more friendly to the players. So it's it's cap or it's uh, lockout circumvention because you still get paid your bonuses in the case of a lockout. And B, that bonus gets paid to Austin Matthews, whose primary residence is in Arizona. So bam, that bonus money is no longer taxed in Ontario, where the income tax is significantly higher. It's taxed in Arizona, where it's not taxed. I believe they have zero income tax. So. There's not nothing happening here that needs to maybe be addressed in the future, but it, it, it this will be a huge nightmare for the for the NHL, yeah. whatever direction they go. Not going to happen. No. Um, we're going to very quickly do a standings uh, rundown because we are approaching the end of the season. In the lottery division, uh, Detroit, despite their best efforts, having only won one of their like last 10 games, I believe, um, is third last in the league. They have a game in hand on New Jersey and are only one point back, so they could be as low as fourth last in the league. Uh LA and Ottawa are behind them with 68 and 69 games played respectively. LA is two points back. Ottawa is six points back. So, and Detroit has a game in hand on Ottawa, so that could be eight points. So at this point, it's a race to second last. Uh, It's a race to 30th. Detroit is fighting for a 13.5% chance at first overall pick. For context, uh, last has 18.5 chance at first overall. (sighs) Stupid Colorado. The, The lottery is funny because if you are dead last in the league, you still have a greater than 50% chance of drafting fourth overall. You're statistically, you're statistically most probable position is fourth overall. 
that's why I'm concerned about it. The only reason I'm concerned about Detroit finishing second last versus fourth last is I want the worst case scenario draft pick to be pick five, not pick seven. I know. And that's, that's, that's really, that's, that's, that's truly the thing. Like you, you want to, you still want to finish as low as possible because like, yeah, the mathemat. if Detroit finishes second last mathematical odds dictate, they're going to get leapfrogged by two teams, which means they're picking fourth, which is fine. But <laughs> which is still a you really, don't want really to drop down to fifth and all of a sudden yeah. you're drafting eighth like yeah. that that it doesn't make the season worthless like the season is what the season is it's not like the team yeah. is intentionally taking they're just very bad but it, it would put a huge wet blanket on things. and again from picks three or picks four to ten there's not a huge difference in this draft but you still want the control on if all things are being equal you get the position you want or you get the player you want or you get the type of player you want if you are if you think everybody who's ranked four through 10 right now are so close in skill level that it doesn't matter, you still want to have the control to be like, oh, well, we're going to take Trevor Zegris because we need a top six playmaking center. You want at least that level of control, right? Whereas if you're picking six, you can go, okay, well, he's our guy. We're happy with any of these guys, but that's like our biggest need. And then he goes up pick five. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, guess we're taking another winger because, you know, whoever's the next best on the board for us. So. Uh, in the stats uh, race, Nikita Kucherov is a human cheat code. Currently, already has 110 points with 13 games left. Oh my god! He's scoring at a 1.59 points per game pace on pace for 130 points. Wow! <sighs> what a freak! Tampa Bay similarly has already like they're so far. They're the most sure presence trophy winners I've seen in a long time. Patrick Kane will hit 100. Connor McDavid will hit 100. And then you have uh, McKinnon and Crosby. Drysidle, Rantanen, and Goudreau all sitting anywhere from 84 to 87 points with about 13 to 15 games left. So high scoring season for the NHL. Um, Love it. Leon Drysidle has 41 goals. People aren't talking about that. That guy might be a 50 goal scorer for what does he make? Eight and a half million. Yep. And that contract, because the argument with Drysidle will always be would would be would he even be at 30 right now without McDavid? I think so. I, I think I don't know. I I don't. I have a hard time saying, yeah, this player wouldn't score a ton of goals. If if you can put up 50 goals with anyone, that means you're a great goal scorer. Oh, yeah. He's a great player. It's Yari Curry. He's he's the new Yari Curry. Which is like fine that thing to That sounds have, awful. Right? What's that? That sounds awful. Hey, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Let's, let's do a quick tankathon while we're here before we are get we gonna do our time. Are we going to do our sub two-minute mock draft again? Uh, Evan's going to have to move over to me, so... And he's just going to read. So, Evan, this. one of the episodes you missed, we did a tankathon and then we did a mock draft in under two minutes oh for the top God. 10. For the first 10. So, we're going to do the tankathon, sim the lottery, Detroit's third best odds, and Detroit dropped down to five. So, <laughs> perfect, Florida, perfect example. Florida moved up to first, oh, Colorado God. through Ottawa to second, Chicago, LA, Detroit, New Jersey, Anaheim, uh, Vancouver, Oilers, Rangers. Evan, for Florida, you go first. <laughs> They're going to take Jack Hughes, of course. <laughs> and Colorado through Ottawa will take Capocaco, Chicago. Pod Colson. Evan with uh, pick four. Uh, For LA. Yeah. You uh, got who it. are their centers again? Kopitar. That might be the end of the list. Yeah. Okay, so they'll take a center. Uh, so They'll take Dylan Cousins. There you go. Detroit at five. I'm going to take a page out of Brad's book here and say Trevor Zegras. I like it. And uh, six for New Jersey, Brad. New Jersey. Oh, oh God. New Jersey's awful, but they're really awful on defense. Give me Byram. Uh, seven for the Ducks. They're bad basically almost everywhere. Um, they'll take Kirby Doc. Uh, number eight for Vancouver. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, 
I'm going to maybe reach and go Alex Turcotte for Vancouver. Yeah, I would have had him there around there too, so that's fine. Nine for Edmonton. Edmonton? Oh, you mean they can get grab a center here? Yeah. Okay, Peyton Krebs. And then 10 for the Rangers, Evan. The Rangers, eh? I feel like we left someone significant out of the top 10 here. Uh, Boldy, Soderstrom, York. We sit, do we do Kirby Doc yet? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Do, do, yeah, I don't know. Do, I, fu- I don't know much about the Rangers this year. They'll take uh, Matthew Boldy. How about that? There you go. All right. That is our very quick uh, Tankathon mock draft top 10. Which will inevitably be our best takes. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do like proper, fully thought through mock drafts at the end of the year that will probably end up nowhere near correct. And one of these stupid ones that we fired off is going to be like 8 out of 10 correct. 100%. Uh, we're going to head over into overtime, uh, which of course is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Um, all of our patrons get their comments read out on air, guaranteed as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show. Um I know I, I sometimes when I do that readout, apparently I say thank you like a 10 times in it. So thank you for pointing that out. Thank you. Uh, first comment from Hockey Town Guru says, some topic suggestions. Sea of Thieves, which Red Wings have the best pirate-esque names. Oh, man. Best pirate names. Abdulcator. Abdulcator. And yeah. it's got to have an R. Yeah. That, that's that's a requirement. Larkin. It's got R in it. How, yeah. yeah. Larkin. Yeah. It's got to be that. Because what other one would work? Erickson. That one's not bad, actually. not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity here. All pirate lineup off-season episode. Howard. Yeah, Howard's good. Uh, Civilization 6, which players would be good at it? How good is Ryan? Oh, I have not... The last Civ I played was 5, and I can burn hours at this game. Uh, Civ 6, who would be the best at it? I feel like Zadina would be really good at Civ. He seems like a guy who spends a lot of time in front of a computer. Um... Who else? Jimmy Howard would probably be really good at Civ. Who's a really smart guy? Jonathan Erickson would probably... He seems like a really intelligent dude. I don't know. Airplanes. I work in aviation. Um, And, hmm, Don Cherry suits discussion. Well, his suits are the best thing about him, so... Uh, Alex Toger says, Recently went to a Toledo Walleye slash Kalamazoo Wings game and got to watch Dylan uh, Sadaway, is it? Yep. Yep. And Caden Fulcher play. Where do they stack up in terms of chances to make the big club? I know Sadaway has been a bit of a project, but I thought Fulcher looked pretty good in the game. Sadaway is uh, less than 0% chance at this point. Yeah. Um, Fulcher. Detroit, Detroit's goaltending pipeline is so wide open right now, I can't rule anything out. Yeah. Um, so Fulcher is, I'd still give him a sub 10% chance, but he's got a chance. Whereas, yeah, like I said, Sadaway is a, a non prospect at this point. Some more comments from Hockey Town Guru. How realistic is Carlson, Panarin, and maybe Skinner to Detroit? All three, one or neither, or pass on Carlson, go for Truba, Zook, and Gardner? I would say if we're talking about those big three, I'll give it a twenty-five percent chance one of them. Really? Comes. I think I think Detroit's going to go hard at them. They've yeah. got a ton of cap space. They talked about being bold. I legitimately think Detroit's big game hunting this offseason. I still give it like I don't. I give it sub ten percent chance at any big. Yeah, game. if if we're talking uh, multiple, God, yeah, like a one percent chance. Mm. Detroit has the cap space to do it. I just don't think they're going to do it. I think Carlson would be their only big target, and I think I would give that a sub. Like Panarin and Panarin won't come to Detroit. That's not a destination he would want to go to. No, well, um, there were reports that he does like the idea of original six. All right. So there, uh, even Bob, the Bob father himself, 
did not rule out Detroit. I I don't think it's going to happen. I think Skinner Skinner has the advantage of we're close enough to his home um, that he could be swayed. They have the cap space where if Skinner wants nine million, Detroit could comfortably give it to him. Yeah. Um, the style of game he plays, I think, translates well into his thirties. So sure. Uh, Carlson has to be their target, though. If they are literally going to throw infinity money at anybody, it has to be Carlson. And if you're like, oh, Eric Carlson's, you know, not at the age where you're throwing eight, you should be throwing eight years because he's 28 years old. So well, they can only throw seven. Seven. So you'd be paying the guy till he's 35. Eric Carlson, or yeah, Eric Carlson's so good where like you're fine at only getting four years of like. The guy's consistently a top three defenseman in the league. And let's not forget, cap is going to go up. And it's with Seattle coming in and legal gambling coming in, I expect the cap to go up a lot over the next few years. So, yeah. again, it's a good summer to overpay someone. Um, and he also says, I'm going to the game next Saturday afternoon, third row from the glass. How can I get a winged wheel shirt to represent? Teespring.com slash winged wheel podcast. The sale should go live sometime Sunday. Uh, we are going to do a sale to celebrate uh, four years of the podcast. Um, we want to see you guys in your winged wheel gear. So uh, when you get it, tweet at us. Uh, I know some wheel, we always retweet from the account when you do that. Uh, we want to get more stuff out there. So yeah, that's amazing. Please do. Rocket. Kalen Wood says, would you rather sit Larkin for the rest of the year and avoid another potential Zetterberg injury scenario or just let him play? Also, what's your favorite pop? I'm partial to Verner's or the occasional squirt. Way underrated. Love yous. I'm sorry, what was that second one? Yeah, I've never heard of that. Um, I would rather sit Larkin for all but like one or two games if need be. I know the 30 goal thing is there, but I just don't want... Detroit's had some bad luck with injuries. Like I said... Once the doctor gives the 100%, he's 100% clear to go, give him three more games and then put him back. If that's the third last game of the year, then yeah, he's done for the year. And Vanilla Coke is the best pop. You can all fight me. Um, I love just a classic Coca-Cola. I'm a Diet Coke guy. I'm addicted. We are now sponsored by Coke. The Wing Wheel <laughs> Podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. This podcast sponsored by the G. Oh, I'm kidding. Uh, Warm Chord Music says, so has Adina done enough to start next season in Detroit or what? Yes. Yes. He, he will be a Detroit Red Wing. And if yeah. he is not, <laughs> you are free to riot. Yeah. Um, I'm Even though Detroit won the shootout, I still feel like rioting that Zadina didn't shoot in the shootout against the Rangers. Yeah, very cool. We didn't talk about that. If you, The kid is up for not, you only You know it's only nine games. This will likely be the only shootout. The kid's done great. Just let him shoot. What the hell? The only... Athens you had to shoot. I'll give Blashill that. And Athens, you scored. Right call. Blashill did say that had the Rangers scored on that last shot and it went to round four, it was either going to be Zadina or Mantha shooting. So it wasn't like Put he Put him was... in the first three. I'm sick of Nielsen shooting. Sick of it. He was so bad that game. He, I understand that Nielsen is the greatest shootout player of all time, but I feel like he hasn't scored a shootout goal and has lost like six attempts. He had like four shot attempts that game, and at best, he like his best one is when he whiffed on a slap shot and it like fluttered over a stick. He was it, awful that does, game. Does Franz Nielsen have the softest slap shot in the NHL? Possibly. I've seen a few now, and I'm... Again, I am that not that guy who's ever going to sit here and say I'm better than anything in the NHL. But I'm pretty sure half my beer league team's got as good a slap shot as Franz Nielsen. I think Evan's got a snap shot harder than Ev- Franz's slap shot. It's probably true. Uh, Warm Chord Music continues to say, almost every time I do a tankathon simulation, Detroit moves down to five and picks Bowen Byram. This actually happens. Do you think the Wings move down a few sto- few spots and grab another second, or do they just take Byram? Or do they take someone else like Turcotte if Cousins and Doc are gone? D- Detroit does not have the luxury of trading down this draft. No. They need to get the single best player available to them. And for what it's worth, I don't even think Cousins or Doc are in my top five anymore. No. I, don't, I don't think either of them are. 
You're there's a lot of people who disagree with you on that. Oh, most people disagree with me on that one, but I have my reasons. Uh, which I, we'll talk about in a future episode. I gotta load these. Unless up. they wow the hell out of me between now and then and they go right back into it. But right now, yeah, I got them probably sixth and seventh respectively. Uh, John Schultz says, Hey gents, it's been a couple of months since I've commented, but last time you had some very complimentary things to say about my goaltender son's glove save video. And I want to say thank you. He listened to the pod and was over the moon when you mentioned him looking forward to the Red Wings drafting him in nine years. Hey man, <laughs> we meant that. Buddy, uh, that, you can't show off a sick glove like that and not have us expect it. We're going to be following you. So uh, hopefully, uh, John, you keep sending us some scouting reports. And to be fair, the Red Wings, uh, none of the Red Wings' current goalie prospects might pan out, and we might just be parading out Jimmy Howard tied to the post at that point. Yeah. So he might get in right away, too. Yeah, so Red Wings fans, look forward to having Schultz in the back of the goalie's jersey in nine years. So keep at it, buddy. Um, obligatory wings is Larry Murphy. <laughs> uh, there's a couple a comment here about Larry Murphy on the broadcast um, about he's... Uh, Sometimes his enunciation is off. Uh, bad enough when he was just behind the desk, but then they had him doing color commentary aside Ken. Uh, didn't love Darren Elliott, but definitely don't love Murph. I think Murph is just like, he was off for a while, and then he's back. He was on and then off, and then back again now. I think it takes a while to acclimate, especially for players. Like, if you remember Ozzy when he started, Ozzy was, uh, he's come a long way. So I think this is just thing uh, like something over time, and he came in in the middle of a season too. So uh, I would say give it time. Um, and it's hard because if you're next to Ken Daniels, right? Like, good luck. No one's gonna look good uh, unless your name's Mickey Redmond. You're gonna have a hard time looking good next to Ken. And that's Daniels. just because Mickey just goes off the rails. And yeah. it's great. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, understand the, the difference in preference. I think like you just give it time. I like Ozzy. I love Ozzy, and he's way better to watch now than when he started. So it's just like a you have professional hockey players doing something different. Uh, as always, keep up the great work. As confirmation is the year-end meetup happening on April 6th? Yes, sir. If so, going to do my best to make the trek from Northwest Indiana to participate. That's my man. Yeah, it's definitely happening. So that's one on the list. Uh, Garrett TV says, hey, guys, I'm planning to start a pod this summer. Don't worry, not about hockey. Wondering if you have any tips, tricks, or strategies for a new podcaster. Not so much worried about equipment, but more things like structuring episodes, production, time commitment, websites, <laughs> partners, etc. Um, honestly... Oh. Uh, so if I, there's only two pieces of advice I can officially universally give to everybody. You already know, do not cheap out on equipment. If your podcast sounds like crap, nobody's going to listen to it, no matter how good the content is and make sure you are dedicating a lot of time. Yeah. You, you think it's as easy as just showing up for an hour a week and recording and then that's it. No, this podcast we record for an hour to an hour and a half but with pre-show prep travel time for the other guys how long it takes me to edit post upload after the it's a three to four hour ordeal yeah. and that's not counting all the stuff we're doing in between where you know whether it's trying to launch a website um twitter twitter keep because you got to keep engaged right like Giveaways. if i go if i go two days without tweeting too much i feel like i'm letting you guys down so Brad's if, on a milk curtain somewhere yeah honestly like brad like when we like when we post the episode, like we have a, like an entire back and forth that probably extends two to three hours beyond every episode finished, like being finished recording. It is time like this. Uh, this podcast survived and has is now thriving because of you guys, the fans, because yeah, it, it maxes out how much you're dedicating. This isn't a small part of our lives. Like this is one of the biggest facets of our lives outside of family and work <laughs> right now. The, the perfect scenario is that, 
our lovely fans get our Patreon big enough that we can just go full time with it. So if you, there's like 3,000 more of you who want to support us. Yeah, three, you're going to have to be maxing us out for yep, quit. Yep, tell your friends, even if they don't listen, get them to support like at, at, at least the $5 level. <laughs> in all seriousness, uh, what like focus on your quality yep. and put in the time. And if it doesn't work out... Like, just know how difficult this is. Just just keep in mind, too, I want to do a lot of writing, and I put up one article every four months because the rest of my free time is dedicated to this. Uh, Joseph Fournier says, hey there, new patron. Hey, Joe, I recognize you from Twitter. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast family. He says, first comment, been listening for a year and decided to sign up because Ryan pronounced my name correctly uh, when reading my uh, recent Twitter comment last week. Thanks, dude. First of all, mesquite is better for richer meats like goose, duck, and lamb. Use milder woods for milder meats and fish. Oh, it's good to know. Second, in your Metro Division preview on September 13th, you didn't even mention Anders Lee when talking about the Islanders. Brad even said after Lee's 40-goal season that I know there's probably someone I'm obviously forgetting, but I'm forgetting them. How impactful can they be? Lee is fourth in team scoring with 23 goals and 43 points in 67 games, including eight on the power play. Leads team with leads team with 174 shots on goal. Sorry to be pedantic, but it's bugging me. Lee is constantly overlooked. He is, and even he even scored that ridiculous goal at the game we were at last season, where he put it up over Coro's shoulders from like the goal line. Yeah, remember that one? So yeah, that it's hilarious that we forgot him. That being said, though, he's the captain of the team, scored 40 goals last year. He's going to fall way short of that this year. So. Just saying, he's great, but he's not as great anymore. And he's due for a UFA contract, which is going to be, I think, not that I think Anders Lee's a bad player, but I think he's going to be the mistake of free agency for somebody. He's going to be the next Nielsen. Not necessarily Nielsen, but somewhere along the lines of like, he's going to get five or six years from someone at way too much money. And he might only have two or three good years left in him because it looks like the regression has already started. So... Um, last thought, love the Patreon only Jersey retirement episode. I think he briefly mentioned Larry Ori star star of the 36 and 37 cup teams. He was a league leading goal scorer and who had his career cut short after a leg injury in which a collision with a Rangers defenseman, Art Coulter severely hindered his ability to play at a high level. Jack Norris loved the guy so much that he became the first Red Wing to have his Jersey retired. His number six hung in Olympia until the Joe was built when Illich said he didn't want non hall of fame players jerseys hanging in the rafters. I bring up this story only because of the curious case of Chris. Osgood, Jennings Trophy winner, Vezina nominee, cracked the top 10 in all-time wins, and the only starting goaltender in NHL history to win Cups 10 years apart with the same team. And he scored a goal. The Hall tends to neglect goalies, but after some time, I believe Osgood will be entered into the Hall and therefore see his name in the rafters. Let's hope Fedorov happens first, though. Sorry for the long-winded comment. I love the podcast, and I listen to you guys while riding the New York City subways. Keep up the great work. Let's go Red Wings, and all three of you guys rock. Fantastic comment. Thank you, Joseph. That was... Uh, I had no idea the Illich's... I knew I, I I knew and I didn't want to go too deep into it because I didn't know the details. But yeah, that old story. Yeah. So since Datsuk's still playing, it's going to be at least three more years until he gets in Zetterberg. Two more years. So yeah, yeah. So they got plenty of time to throw ninety one up there. Uh, Dan Bell <laughs> says, "Hey gents, Zadina's fun to watch. Guy works hard every shift. It's almost like he's been watching Larkin. Not even concerned if he doesn't score another goal." Uh, in response to Larry Murphy, the guy to me. Um, <laughs> man, you guys, uh, you guys are coming hard at Murph. Um, I won't just for the sake of uh, of not uh, just coming at Murph too hard. The guy, you know, he's trying his best, and this is uh, a new career for him. Uh, anywho, hope all is well. Thanks as always for what y'all do. Cheers. Um, Chris Gatchel says, "What's up, guys? Uh, I know there's a big battle between TSN and Sportsnet up in Canada." 
Who do you guys watch and trust more? I feel like Sportsnet is really all Leafs except maybe like 10 minutes of the shows. I love, I love Friedman and Doug McLean on Sportsnet, but TSN, I feel, has an all-star lineup with Bob, Driggs, LeBron, Ferrero, and Duffy. I was just wondering who you guys trust more and who you prefer talking hockey. As always, thanks for the show. Keep up the great work. Okay, this is going to be a very loaded answer because I don't have a, a, a concrete answer. So I watch sports highlights in the morning every morning on TV. That's TSN for me. When I'm consuming my online content between the two of them, it's Sportsnet by a mile. TSN has not done a good job of embracing the online world where Sportsnet is between their ice surfing and a bunch of other stuff they do. They have absolutely nailed it because TSN is just a bunch of reposted bar down articles if we're just being it's bar down, basically pulling whatever they find off Reddit and putting it on their website. And that's mm-hmm. all they do. Um, so, yeah, as far as. The insider stuff, that's to me on a person-to-person basis. There's guys at both companies I trust and guys at both companies I don't really give the time of day to when I'm consuming my content. So that's a very, very long-winded answer of saying both. Yeah, it used to be – so here's the thing. Those are two Canadian networks. So there's going, and Toronto is the center of the hockey universe if you ask any Canadian fan of any team. That's just the reality of it. Both of them are going to have a slant, intentional or not, towards reporting on Toronto stuff. You you just kind of have to filter through that um, if you're not a, a Leafs fan. If you are, congrats. Um, the thing is, the since Sportsnet won the the big contract to to air games, um, they've done a lot of work to really improve their show. And like Brad said, there's a lot of quality content for both sides, and there's a lot of crossover in terms of of uh, guys reporting for maybe you know, one side and then uh, taking a contract with another or, or, you know, see content aired simultaneously. I would say watch whatever's there. Watch whoever you like. Uh, switch it up from time to time. I think, uh, what's it called? Ice surfing that dangles on. Yeah. Uh, Merrick, who we've had on the show, is fantastic. Friedman, who does the 31 Thoughts article and then the 31 Thoughts podcast with Merrick uh, is excellent. But like you said, Bob is with TSN. Like there's just, it's better. Like I know you're saying which one is better, but it's better that both are really good. I actually just realized we've never had anybody from TSN on this podcast, so Sportsnet's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeff Chen says, hey, guys, is Madison Bowie essentially Brennan Smith? Uh, I'm going to be the wet blanket here, and I'm going to say he's worse. <laughs> uh, I, I don't even think they're the same type of player. Um, I think Madison Bowie is, I don't know, poor man's Nick Jensen. Just not the offense isn't really great, but he skates pretty well and he can defend a little bit. So uh, I think his defense is lacking. Oh, it's lacking, but he's also twenty two. Nick Jensen was twenty eight, so he's got some time. He the the thing I like about the guy is he's very obviously trying to learn. Incredibly polite. When he was mic'd up, he was so polite. It's yeah. very funny. Um trying to learn. And so like I'm not gonna like count him out, but I don't think he'll ever be a top four defenseman. No, neither do I. His best case scenario is he's an effective third pairing guy. Yep. Which is fine. Like you he need, wasn't. Ex- he's not. Ex- he wasn't the biggest return in that trade, so it doesn't you, matter. You need cheap players on your bottom pair. So, uh, Andrew Schreeman says. says, "Hey boys, I live out in Denver and was able to witness Zadina's goal firsthand. It's probably one of the coolest sports moments I've experienced recently. What's your favorite thing you've witnessed at a live sporting event? As always, keep up the great work. Oh God, um, there's too many. We we saw Chalowski's first NHL goal this year. Yeah." Uh, we saw Andreas Athanasiu's near double spinner Emma oh, goal. Oh God, that that win against Tampa Bay was electric. That that Athanasiu's goal late yeah. in the second period in that zero zero game in the playoffs was insane. Um, trying to remember, those two are the first two that ju- immediately jump out at me. 
Uh, it's non in a non Red Wings one. I saw Crosby's shootout goal at the outdoor game in Buffalo. I was at that one. That That's was pretty cool. cool. That the whole atmosphere there was really cool because what you couldn't see on the TV that like what happened kind of in the stands was because it was so snowy and even when Crosby was coming down the ice, you couldn't see the puck from the stands. Mm-hmm. And because it was such an in-tight move that went five-hole, when it left his stick, nobody knew what happened. Nobody, like, there was a, a solid half second to a second delay where there was, he shot it and zero reaction from the crowd until you saw Crosby celebrating the goal light go on simultaneously and then everybody's like, oh, it went in. That's that the was, thing about those outdoor games is watching, like, the delayed reaction, like, move like a wave throughout the stands yeah. was cool. I think for me, the the Winter Classic at the Big House was just, the whole thing was amazing. Yeah. Um, and also a random uh, March game in the final season at the Joe I went to uh, with my family was really cool because the Red Wings won 5-4. DeKaiser scored the winning goal with like 25 seconds left in regulation and Mika got on the Jumbotron. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's fun. Uh, Marissa says, if the following players were redrafted, when do you think the each one each one would go? Athens to see you, 2012, fourth round, 110th overall. Uh, mid first round. Uh, yeah, I agree. Mantha, 2013, first round, 20th overall. Uh, pretty close to where he went. Maybe, maybe a, a l- few, picks. maybe a few picks higher. All of these are going to be first round because you, we know they're effective NHLers. Yeah, Bertuzzi, 2013, second round, 58th overall. Uh, late, first. late first round, like 20 to 25. But but that's saying a lot because Detroit drafted him about 50 to 60 spots ahead of where he was projected. Oh yeah, way ahead of that. He was projected like as a sixth, seventh round pick in most um, circles. Uh, Larkin, 2014, first round, 15th overall. Uh, top five. Top five mm-hmm. at worst six. But I really, I no, I wouldn't five. even see that. I seen Sportsnet actually did a redraft on that one, and they both had him. Everybody who redrafted had him in the top three. Um, Glitch says, how's it hanging, fellows? In the playoffs, how strategically important such valuable is home ice advantage to a good coach? Very. Home ice advantage for NHL teams and a coach who knows how to use it with, uh, with line matching without overdoing it is crucial. That's the difference between getting Tyler Johnson out there away from Luke Lendenning and scoring a huge goal to break the difference in a series or having Luke Lendenning shut down Tyler Johnson every moment you have. It's also- oddly specific. Because well, relevant, what I know. Happened? I know. Um, I'll say it's important, but not that important. I'm generally speaking, there's very rare instances in which I believe in line matching. So I'm a believer in just get your best players on the ice as often as you can without gassing them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it. I look at it as more moments in a game. Um, if there's ten minutes left in the third period and your team takes a penalty, you want your certain penalty killers out against certain units because teams don't always throw out their best unit first. So you want to make sure that whenever that unit goes out, you're getting your best unit out against them. Just little things like that or like a key draw with a minute and a half left where there's still time where they might make a change. You want to, if you're playing Tampa, you want to make sure Glenn Dennings out there to win the face off and, and just beat the living hell out of Kucherov. You don't want to send, you know, Darren Helm out against the first unit. You want him out against the, the second wave, if you want to call it. Uh, Rowan says, greetings, newly minted Sydney Swans fans. Can't believe you failed to discuss this upcoming season with noted Swans fan Micah recently. Had no idea, but we are now Sydney Swans fans. Okay. Believe rugby. (laughs) 
do we honk when they score? Like, how does this work? I hope so. Uh, do you think if we can just stay healthy, we'll be able to have deeper run come finals? Or do the second tier of players need to elevate their games for us to be flag- genuine flag contenders? Can Buddy kick 65 to 70 majors if he plays every game of the season? Oh, I, I think his his majors won't be the issue, but it's his lateral movement to get the downs in the... Uh, the the didgeridoos um i think you're i think you're reaching there buddy (laughs) i'm highly positive for this season uh anyway jersey time favorite defunct franchise jersey assuming the whalers aren't a defunct franchise so we're talking carolina just like franchises that folded christ california golden seals and there's no that's why they're technically the dallas stars now if you go through the lineage really yeah technically kind of in a roundabout way but um because if we're counting like Teams that no longer exist but just moved, man. The Whalers and the North Stars get my vote. But if we're going defunct, God. Um, the Montreal Maroons or the Kansas City Scouts? Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. California did become Dallas. Yeah. California, Cleveland, and then Minnesota North Stars and then Dallas. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Uh, if we're just going by teams that don't exist anymore, it's the Whalers and the North Stars, and it's not up for debate. Yeah, no. Uh, Nordiques, actually. Nordiques are good, but they're not on their level. We're going to move. Did I say the Calgary Flames are a defunct NHL team? Atlanta Flames. Oh, yeah. Uh, Alex Martin says, "Hey guys, just signed up as a patron. Hey, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast family. Alex, thank you for your support. Uh, want to finally support the good work that you do. Thanks for the great conversation and honest take regarding the state of the Red Wings in the NHL. Can't stand talking to Wings fans who clamor for more ice time for guys like Luke Witkowski or utter Abdulkader's name in a positive sentence. With that being said, do you think there's any hope in the fact that Blashill has yet to receive that extension? I'm holding out hope that with each passing day and no extension, that the possibility of Blashill not behind the bench might become real. But I dream. Thank you." For this podcast don't get your hopes up they're just waiting until the season ends to start negotiating so yep here's the thing it is horrifying that it's probably likely at this scenario or at this juncture that uh blush coming back is a is a like likely scenario because it should be in my mind 10 percent chance at most of him coming back the silver lining is i would still give it a 40 percent chance that he doesn't come back a lot can happen i think if eiserman comes in blush doesn't come back but here's the thing, Blashill, it's like kind of with the Heronic thing and Sedina playing 16 minutes. No, 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 we, get, we, we do this every year. I know, we can't I do know, it. I know, but I mean, the organization's going to see that and they're going to be like, oh, look, he can embrace the youth, so they'll bring him back. And then at the beginning of the next season, he'll just go back to old habits because he knows it doesn't matter right now. Oh, yeah, sure, we'll play Philip Heronic 25 minutes when we're basically eliminated from the playoffs. And then season opener next year, he'll play 13. Yeah, I, I know, I know, but I think the organization <laughs> might see this as a positive thing was, in the long run, and you know, that's what the, but that's what the, that's affliction. It's an affliction with this organization, this fan base, is they see one positive thing where really it's just doing the right thing in a sea of negativity, and they're like, oh no, he's getting better. We'll keep him for another three years, and then so on and so on. Don't get me wrong, I still jettison, jettison him off to Siberia, the first chance I get but I don't think the organization is going to do that. Um, Ryan Kern says, Hey, boys, I'm considering getting a tattoo and was wondering if you guys had any, or if not, would you like to get, if you don't have a problem, adding something permanent to your body? I don't think any of us have any. I've always wanted a big uh, black work octopus, like as like a quarter sleeve that maybe extends in, like onto my chest and down my arm. But that's like... I want to be like set in my career and be comfortable with the size that I am as well. Like I want to be bigger to give it more real estate. Um, do like the idea of it, but it is a huge commitment and I'm horrified that I'd hate it in five years. I love tattoos. There's about a dozen I want to get, but I have commitment issues. So <laughs> as, as Brad says, having dated the same girl for 14 years and then marrying her, 
15 years. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here with your commitment. And having, and having that child. Get out of here. <laughs> no, it will no. Because my, it, truthfully, my biggest fear with tattoos is I am a perfectionist and I get bothered by little mistakes easily. So if the tattoo doesn't end up being 110% exactly how I want it, it'll bother me. Like there's no room for error in my mind on something that permanent. So even if it's just like just something's like a quarter inch off or the coloring's a little wrong in one place, it'll drive me up the fucking wall. Uh, and Hockey Town Guru has a couple more. Do you see Kenny H. buying out Abdicator? Uh, no. no. It's, it would be, no. Um, Not for at least another three years. And then finally, the gigantic elephant in the room is the CBA. Do you gents foresee a prolonged labor stoppage, or might they be smart about this and get a deal done before that? They're definitely not getting a deal done beforehand because that's not how they operate. The only the only predictor of future occurrences is past occurrences, and they've went to a lockout every single damn time. Um, that being said, the issues on this one are not as monumental as the last few, so I think the lockout this time will be brief. There there will be one. I will always bet on it until I'm proven to the contrary, but I think this one ends like October, November. The uh, There have been some discussions, which we haven't seen in previous times, for those of you who like to be optimists, where they've met and started talking already, which is good. And like Brad said, these issues aren't world-breaking. So they'll be amplified, and we'll be talking about them as if they are. But before we get into all that, know that these aren't huge. The GM meetings just happened. The GMs and the owners love where the game of hockey is right now in the NHL. So I wouldn't bet on it. But the pieces are in place for them to be proactive about it this time. Again, if you want to be optimistic, it's there for you. We have time for a few Reddit comments. Oh, and some uh, Twitter comments as well. Um, Ott66 says, do you think Mantha and Tuzi are good enough to be top six players on a cup team? Or are they more like third liners who are perceived as better because uh, the expanded role they play on our poor team? Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Uh, good second liners. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think good second liners. And like yeah. they're only getting better. Bertuzzi's truly like... Safer Larkin took the best. He's the best case of if ever you know how we constantly say if everything goes right for this guy, here's best case scenario. Bertuzzi is like the closest to that. Yeah. He has been effective in so many ways. He's a he makes the uh, draft team look brilliant for taking him when they did in the second round. Uh, Yarvik Seven says, "Yay, the Wings finally broke that losing string, uh, but it's Tampa Bay tonight, in which they lost." Um, the new guy, Madison Bowie, got mic'd up for last game. He seems to, uh, an upgrade to the big rig, Jonathan Erickson. But from what you've seen of him, is he a keeper and part of next year's team? Well, they scratched him last night in favor of Daly and Erickson, so you know, take that however you will. Yeah, I don't think he's like uh, Blash. He'll still gonna Blash. I know we 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 have a fascination with uh, teams and and or like new players from different teams and we want to make the most out of them, especially projects. And that's fine. I just don't foresee a lot for Bowie. Would I put Bowie in the lineup ahead of uh, Erickson and Daly at this point? Oh yeah. A hundred out of 99 times, but it's whatever. doesn't matter to me. Um, Hockey 0284 says, what do you guys realistically think the team looks like next year? Um, Honestly, (laughs) not terribly different. Yeah, with Zadina being up right now, you're pretty much just bump up Chaloski and you're pretty much looking at it. Sorry, hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there's not going to be a lot different unless they land one of the big free agents. Uh, hashtag ask WWP. Oh, and Svechnikov yeah. will be up. Um, it won't be drastically better. He goes on to mention, like, would we need a major progression from Hironik, Chaloski, Ras, Zadina, and Svech? Yeah, to be drastically better, there needs to be a big free agent acquisition. A lot of the young guys need to overperform, which barely ever happens in the NHL, let alone multiple on one team. So it won't be terribly better. Um, 
Ask WWP on Twitter, Izerbaz says, long-term, is Athens to see you a second-line center, a third-line center, or a top-six winger? Top-six winger. I think he's proven to be a, like a really good top-six winger, and if this experiment at center goes well, the best what I would project is great top-six winger who can f- slot in at center when we need him to. Yeah, again, playing the odds here looks like Detroit's probably drafting a center in the top ten based on where they're going to be picking, who's going to be available, so... That will complicate things a little bit. Joe Valeno is a center, so if you're if the plan is let's say they draft Zegris or Cousins, well those guys are probably going to be your second or third line center for the next ten years. Joe Valeno is probably going to be the other second or third line center for the next ten years. Larkin's already a center. Yeah, you're probably better just logistically putting Athanasiu at the wing, unless you want to keep him at center while these guys get warmed up to it. I don't know. Uh, Woodson says, would the Red Wings sign an undrafted college kid to avoid pulling too many guys from Grand Rapids? Seems like they may uh, may want to make a run for the AHL playoffs, if yes, any names. Um, um, no, nobody's significant this year. There aren't any marquee people coming from college this year. The Red Wings will always... It'd be silly to have a, a player who you could sign or acquire for free, like not having to draft, not having to develop his yeah. been in college, but nothing really to look out for. There's no downside to signing college free agents. Again, you could have a guy like Danny DeKaiser who tunes into a useful player for your team for a long time, or you could have a guy like Dan Renouf who, hey, he gave it a shot, didn't work, you let him move on, whatever. Um, Don on Twitter says, who played for the Wings that made you irrationally angry every time he took a shift? Michael Samuelson. Sean Avery. Um, I, I gotta say, I know I just constantly tear into the guy, but Erickson. <laughs> I really, I probably, it's too much for me at this point, but just like once Lidstrom left. No, but that's was, rationally angry. Yeah. Irrationally angry. Michael Samuelson was popular to most Red Wings fans. I could not stand him. Uh, Hansel O'Mail sent that uh, meme template of like from the cyanide and happiness comment where there's like the man and woman in bed saying, oh yeah, baby, tell me what you want. She says, talk to me like you're a freaking idiot. And then the text field in is, NHL needs more players like Brad Marchand. <laughs> you know what? I think the NHL does need more players like Brad Marchand. They do. The NA, the, uh, I actually saw a tweet yesterday that was perfect. The NHL superstars being so humble and modest is actually hurting the league, not helping. It's so boring. We need guys like LeBron and Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook doing controversial crap or speaking out against whatever the hell they want to speak out against. Give me more personality. Um, the reason is... By the way, did you see Mark Shane's tweet? Oh, yes. The where, where they show, He commented on a Mitch Marner highlight and said, wow, that kid's amazing. They should give him $12 million a year that over eight years. hysterical. Love it. Tampering. Tampering. Yeah. Love it. And then, of course, the NHL being the stupid league that it is with the stupid media that it has and the stupid fans it has, he had to explain his comments. Oh, it was taken out of context. Damn it, Brad. You were trolling the Leafs. And you were having fun with it. Own it. We appreciate it. Don't let the old boys club get you down. Do more of it. The NHL is plain yogurt. <laughs> yes. At best, plain Greek yogurt. Yeah. AJD711 says, not a question, but a comment as I just started listening to the pod a few weeks back. Really enjoyed it and glad that I found a Red Wings podcast that satisfies and delivers. Keep up the good work, guys. That means a lot, man. Wow. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, and tell your friends. Uh, reason is virtue says imagine you're a GM and after all the complaining we've made about the vets would you take this deal the new GM oh this is a good one the new GM gets a one time get out of free card 
he or she gets to eject all contracts and they choose cap or that they choose cap penalty free. The only caveat is that no player over the age of 30 can remain on the team starting July 1st of this year. Further, no new free agents or trades can include a player 30 or over for the next two seasons. Would you take that deal? Okay, what? Um, you can get rid of whatever contracts you want at the start of the year. Okay. But the only caveat is that as of July 1st, you can't have any players over the age of 30. Age of thirty or over. So you mean I get to fire Cronwall all Harrison. into the sun? Yes, and there's no penalty. But to you it. also have to get rid of Howard Bernier, like every, oh, so it's not it's not one or I I have to get rid of all of them. All of the players who are thirty or over have to. Get and rid we're of. allowed to dabble in free agency. Yes. Oh, I don't even think twice about but that. But for the next two years, you can't bring in anyone thirty or over. Don't n- none of the key Redwings players are approaching thirty. I'm. Pff- do it 100%. You'd be insane not to. Luke Glendening would. You, only you have would. A year. You don't get me wrong. You would suck for those two years. You would suck royally. But to just clear up your cap situation, you don't have to deal with Abdelkader's contract, Kaiser's contract, Nielsen's contract, Helm's contract. Holy Christ. The worth it. You could go sign who you want to sign anybody who's like 27 year old to like a two year. $16 million contract to bridge the gap, you could. Um, we have time for one more question. Uh, Evan, pick a number between one and six. Six. All right. Uh, Drunk Lord GG says, regarding offer sheets, oh, God, no, why, ew. Yeah, that's right take. Yeah. Uh, honestly, though, my only question is a request to mention that teams can go over their cap space in the offseason. I'm beyond tired of the amount of daily hashtag Twitter GM geniuses discussions uh, being offer X player seven million because they only have six million cap. Ha ha ha. Yeah, that's a, an important caveat. Teams can go over their cap by ten or fifteen percent. Ten percent, but not Detroit because the caveat to that is you can only you lose that privilege if you have uh, uh, LTIR does not take effect in the summer. So which means all summer Zetterberg and Fronten's contracts affect yeah. us and so. detroit's a cap team so yeah so they are there's no flexibility when they sign so so if detroit were in that situation where hey sign him to eight million because they only have six million cap space that might actually hinder detroit but again any competent gm can generally free up one to two million in cap space pretty easily through a buyout or a trade for a late round draft pick and with that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode. I'm going to do my usual spiel where I thank all of our uh, Patreon patrons, the supporters who, like we talked about this show, make this show happen. Um, Sean Levine, Chad Hiersack, Sky Carcass, Arjun Shanker, uh, Andrew Pietkowski, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Derek Shippard, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Dan Bell, uh, and Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much. For all of our listeners, uh, thank you for supporting the show. You want to support in other ways. On Twitter, go to at wingedwheelpod and then follow the main account. And then if you go to the bio, that's where our individual accounts are. We love the follows. We love engaging with you guys on Twitter. Um, we have a, for those of you who want apparel, we're going to have an apparel sale launching hopefully today. Uh, teespring.com slash wingedwheelpodcast. Follow us. Subscribe however you get your podcast. Like, leave ratings. Those are huge for us on iTunes. On iTunes. Um, honestly, if you guys want to know how much the support means, you even got Evan to come out to this episode. That's true. So that's how you're, you know you're doing a great job. We'll see you in the middle of the week. Mm-hmm.